And we are live with our 95th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode. We're really excited today to have Christina and Jessica on. Uh, we're going to get into their background in security, which takes um, all sorts of interesting routes and will be an interesting discussion today. Uh, we hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. Um, I, you know, as always, you know, thanks for joining us. Uh, I don't think we have a lot of announcements right now. Uh, the big news this past week is that DEF CON and Black Hat are both, well, DEF CON is canceled, right? Officially canceled for the first time ever, which is a very sad, sad thing. But uh, realistically, it's they're gonna do some virtual stuff but there will be no in-person conference is what Jeff or Dark Tangent came out and said. Uh, there's been a lot of planning stuff uh, around Hacker Tracker that we've been hearing in the DEF CON channels as well. Uh, so there will still be things going on that week. Uh, so watch out for that. But otherwise, don't come to Vegas, I guess, is the, is the, is the main message right now. That's not going to happen. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I don't, I don't think there's really much else. Ken, did, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up from the news before we you know, introduce our guests today? Nope. Just another week of me getting fatter and sadder. That's basically <laughs> what it is. But yeah, no, happy, happy that you both joined us. So that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, I don't have anything to really announce, Seth, other than um, eh, I don't have anything really to, to go over. So I think we've seen... Not a ton of crazy news other than what you just talked about. So I think it's all been pretty, pretty slow from my end. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the sad thing, right? You talk to, to people that normally you'd have, you'd ask, okay, what have you been doing? And anymore, it's like, okay, so how's Animal Crossing going, right? That's the, if anyone's playing, that's out there, right? Or Minecraft, Ken, I, I guess on, on your end, it'd be Minecraft. But yeah, I haven't looked into Animal Crossing, but. Put that on the list. I'm Googling it now. <laughs> It'll just go into the one of a uh, 100 tabs that are open. So oh, okay. then eventually I'll just close them all down and never get to <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Sweet. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. I, I, Ken, do you want to do introductions for us? For, for, oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, so we were joined by Christina, Lou, and Jessica. Is Am, am I saying this right? Rosen? Uh, it's close enough. Rosine, but I don't correct Rosine. people anymore. <laughs> definitely feel free to correct me um yeah so we're joined by uh by jessica and christina they both work at uh cisco and i am rocky is that correct mm -hmm. again like i feel like i can't even pronounce things anymore um so we have a lot to get into with their backgrounds and their day-to-day -day operations uh, a lot of questions um <laughs> i know i've got a lot of questions seth i'm sure you've got you've got yours as well um both uh, both of you have a super interesting backgrounds, which we're about to get into. Um, I really, I, I'm just so happy that you both were able to join. And uh, I think Jessica, the last time we saw each other was at Locomocosec, where we should be this month. I know, I'm so <laughs> sad. It's really tragic. I like I went and I finally deleted the calendar like thing I had up like in Hawaii, and I almost cried removing it from my calendar. It was terrible. Wait, wait, what? What, what is this? <laughs> what What is this conference? Is there? <laughs> oh no, some oh, awesome yeah. thing in Hawaii. There's it's some awesome thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually sent a picture to uh, Mike McCabe this today, as a matter of fact, of uh, us ATVing in Hawaii last year, just like as like a 
miss you, buddy. I wish we were doing this again. So it's yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to November when it's open again. We can view it again. But anyways, thank you both for joining. Um, yeah, I think where we usually start, where we want to start is with your backgrounds. I think we were going to go with Jessica first. Sure. So yeah, tell yeah. us about how you got into the field and your background and your sort of path into InfoSec, which, by the way, if you haven't seen their shirts, Anti-InfoSec, InfoSec Club, yes, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yes, there's a few of these. Uh, we have a bunch of friends that will run around at conferences with them. Maybe you can spot some of them. Um, so my name's Jessica Rosine. I am on specifically the Meraki security operations team. Um, and my role specifically is security um, incident response, so detection and response. Um, but I didn't always start out in security. I had kind of a fun way that I got here. Um, I did not go to school for a technical degree at all. I graduated from UC Berkeley with a degree in business administration. Um, and then I ended up taking my first job out of college. Um, instead of going into finance or businessy things, I went into technical support. So I was a tier one technical support rep at Box, like awesome. on the phone all day. Oh, and fun yeah. fact, I actually did the voice recording for the Box phone tree. So my voice was like the wonderful voice you would hear when you would call in. Um, so my voice was on there for like six months or so. So you have a celebrity on your podcast. That's <laughs> awesome. The voice of Box. Says Fox. That's what I'm the voice you. of Box. Yes, we will tag the episode as such. Yes. Um, and when I was doing sort of that technical support role, I realized that I was really good at crisis and incident management. Um, and I started partnering with the engineering team to help coordinate, like collecting the problem reports from customers. And I did that enough times that the the box engineering team just decided to steal me away because I had managed crisis really well. So I joined the box NOC, the network operations team. And at box, I was a team basically responsible. Anytime there was a major customer impacting site issue, that was it. We tried to get the site back up. So I just kept working in incident response and crisis. And I'm one of those odd people who just loves a good crisis. Like I love incident response. I feel really engaged when there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, and I just kept spending time working on incidents in like an uptime keeping reliability perspective. And I realized over time that the incidents I enjoyed working the most on were incidents that had a security lean to them. They were just like a little more fun. Okay, maybe fun isn't like the right word. A little more like entertaining. Yeah. Like yeah. I felt more engaged working on incidents that had a little bit of a security capacity. So then I decided, hey, like let's just only work on security incidents. And that's where I went and I found a job working for a financial tech startup in Oakland um, in my first detection and response role. So that's sort of my path to security. Lots of focus on security incident response specifically. And that first role at Marquetta is actually where Christina and I first met. Nice. I do have one question. Um, mm -hmm. Has the has the uh, business administration portion of your education helped you at all in like your um, yeah, just at all in your uh, day to day like non business administration roles, your tech, your tech roles, basically. Yeah, it's, it's actually something I didn't really start thinking about until I got older. But I realized a lot of the work like 
around that you have to do around the technical work, like sort of the project planning and having a lot of like the business context of like what other departments are do doing and how they talk to each other. I've realized it's I think it's actually enabled me a lot of success in my career because it's just stuff that I kind of have this understanding being familiar about. So it definitely has given me some good like presentation skills and project planning and that kind of work. So I, I do sort of notice it very like subtly as like a thread that it's given me a good like skill set just to work from, like being on a team yeah. um, working at a company. Yeah. So it, well, it has helped me, I think. Yeah. And I know, I, I mean, I, in general, the like people that come up out of the technical side of things struggle with that, right? Is it's, you know, that, that you know, you've got the puzzles that you want to solve and the cool technical pieces, but okay, you're dropped into a team. And I, like, I, I, know, I know that was a, a rude awakening for me way back in the day, right? Like getting onto a team and, okay, I, I'd go sit in meetings and, you know, for the first, you know, surprisingly enough, like I just wouldn't say anything. Like my first review with my manager was like, you know, you could, you could speak up in meetings, right? You're a technical person. You could have an opinion. I was like, yeah, but there's the one guy that always says everything. So it's, it's not needed. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a hard skill set to learn. Yeah, it's um, a, I wish it was more of, emphasis on it. Yeah, I've noticed it takes a lot of like sort of emotional effort to like yes. put that out. Like you have to extend your emotional capacity to like deal and work with other people. And I think I've just had more practice working and dealing with the people. And because I didn't know any of the technical stuff first, it was nice having that kind of foundation. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was that, you know, your your tier one, your first support job, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I like... I don't know, like there's, there's, there's going to school for a technical you know, background or a technical degree, but there's also like working that frontline support is almost trial by fire. Right? Yeah, I really learned how to multitask, like just mm -hmm. full, full conversation with somebody on the phone while you're like digging into some problem, you have no idea what's going on is, I think that like that little pressure cooker really prepared me for like almost any other incident. like. If you can troubleshoot a problem on the phone while someone is screaming angry at you and like still fix it, like there's a lot of other incidents you're going to deal with that are just less stressful because no one's yelling at you while you're working yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, those are the easy ones, right? Mm -hmm. Well, good. Um, yeah. So Marquetta and then Christina, that's where you entered the, at least, you know, you got to know each other, I should mm -hmm. say. That's where um, we first became yoga buddies, actually. Oh, mm -hmm. I, I, I see how it is, right? Okay, <laughs> so now we, we've completely gone off the rails, right? Like, Sorry, you know, okay, we, we can go back to yoga later. <laughs> no, that's okay. I know one other person who got into yoga because of you. So. Yep, as I, my boyfriend who has been a guest on your guys' show a few times. Yes, yes. You're, the, you're exactly. converting everyone. <laughs> yep. That's good. There, there. So Christina, let, let's talk about your background really quick. I, I mean, I know you guys are no longer at Marquetta, so did you, you know, you kind of made this jump, but let's, let's talk about your background up to that point as well, because I know it's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So talk about how you got into security. Ooh, okay. It, it's a wild ride, folks. So we just, you know, get a cup of whatever, coffee or whatever. Um, so basically, in college, I majored in biology. That's what I declared. Um, and then after asking a bunch of my friends who had graduated a year ahead of me, um, were they working and making money? Um, all of them said no. So that's when I realized that research probably doesn't pay very much. And so I dropped out of college because I decided that like I would try business instead because well, business means money. And to me, it didn't 
make sense to like go to school for a business. So I started my own business at like 2021 or something like that. We sold CDs, didn't work out, but I did learn how to do basic bookkeeping and accounting from that. And so from there, I became an accountant for like six years after that. Um, So I started out as a basic bookkeeper and then moved up into consulting for small businesses and teaching uh, small businesses how to do their own accounting and like managerial stuff. Um, So did that for six years. Meanwhile, while I was doing accounting, I was also training in aerial circus for two years. Awesome. Um, Yeah, at Circus Center and Trapeze Arts in Oakland and San Francisco. So I decided that one day I just like had to quit accounting. Um, I realized that uh, accounting, there's no room for creativity in accounting because creativity in accounting is known as tax fraud. (laughs) 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 So couldn't do that. So when I quit accounting that day, I basically dyed my hair pink so that like I couldn't go back and none of my clients would want to see me. Um, And I vowed to never again wear slacks unless it was for weddings or funerals. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So during that transition time of like, what am I going to do in between um, like right after accounting, I decided to literally run away and join the circus. Um, basically, one of my friends, they were having a theat- theater circus show in Scotland at the Fringe Festival. And so I flew to Scotland and helped them out, stagehand their show for about two weeks. And I already had helped them stagehand their show in New Mexico for like a week as well. From what I learned from that is that it's even harder to make money as a circus performer than it is for a biologist. So I flew home and decided that I needed to do something else. And what I did was I joined a boot camp. Um, I joined Hackwright Academy, which was the women only one back in like 2013. So this was way back before boot camps were like even a thing that could work. We were the third cohort. Um, And really I joined that boot camp because a friend sent me a link to it and she said, I think you'd be good at it. (laughs) So that's that's when I joined it. So after that, um, I became a web developer for gosh, four or five years after that Um, and then Four years into that, I got interested in security. And my very first security event that I went to was DEF CON. I flew there on a whim with like two weeks notice <laughs> so you just, for my boss. You just like paid out of pocket, just went. Yeah, just went. Nice. Um, basically, one of my other coworkers, she said, well, I have a room, so if you all want to just like split costs, we can do a girls trip, which is what we did. So all four of us ladies shared a room on our, all of our first trips to DEF CON. Um, and after that, like I decided security was my thing. So I just started telling every one of my security friends that I was looking to switch and how should I do it. Um, and finally... Yeah, and yeah. So at the conference, um, my current 
my current director, I was basically telling them like how much I wanted to switch over. And I think a little bit after that, they were like, all right, are you still serious about the security thing? Do you still want to like come to the dark side? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so that's where I, I guess, met Jessica at Marketo. Okay. Yeah. We were initially on the both on the detection and response team, and then Christina abandoned me to move over to right. the appsec type function over there. Yeah, she, she, came, she, came, she came back over to the light side. That's what it's which called. Which we did again when we worked when we started working together at Meraki. She started on the detection and response team, and they got stolen away again. And I'm See, it's not abandoning. I'm not abandoning. I got stolen. I still, I still yeah. feel abandoned. <laughs> Yeah. What was, what Only some mildly traitorous. <laughs> Only mildly. What was? What were some of the? I'm curious. Um, do you remember any of the tips that people gave you for when they were saying when you were asking how you like how do I get, do this security thing? How do I make this jump? What's the best way to do it? Do you remember any of the tips anyone provided? And uh, if you do, like, were any of them good? Were any of them t in retrospect like terrible? Some you know ideas or. I don't think I got any terrible ideas. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were just, they were, they were pretty general. Um, it, it was a lot of things. Mostly it was just like, learn as much as you can about the security industry and like the different parts of security really. Um, so, you know, like, cause like, I guess there's a lot of people that aren't in it, don't realize that there are just so many different parts, right? Like there's the de detection response, application security, cryptography, like, and a ho whole host of other things. So a lot of the advice I was getting was just, oh, like, go on YouTube, watch talks that people have done, um, get on bug bounty, bug bounty programs if you want to, like, really, like, get your hands in there and try. Um, like, here are a bunch of, like, different type books you can read, like, Web Hacker Handbook and, like, Android Handbook and, like, just all sorts of different things. And it was basically, I think the advice was really just, like, be a sponge for information. And then when you feel ready, like just jump into it and try. And it was really just like a ask for forgiveness and not permission situation and try not to do anything illegal. And but it does sound, I'm oh, sorry. Well, one thing I think that Christina also does really well is is really good about like making relationships and like networking with people. Like whenever oh, yeah, we go true. to conferences and we walk around stuff, like Christina's like always stopping and talking to other people and saying hi. And I I'm sure that that like helped. Like that's how you ended up knowing yeah. Dave and like that sort of networking. I've noticed like Christina is also really good at it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean that's one thing we always recommend to people, right? Is if you want to be in the community, be in the community, right? Um, it, it, and I know that's that's counterintuitive for a lot of us that are more introverted, right? Is you go to this conference and you're used to being the tech guy in the corner and now you're all tech guys. So are you all <laughs> tech people, I should say. So, you know, getting out there and again, putting yourself out there and actually talking makes a big difference, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's what it sounds like. So did I, yeah. So DEF CON, is that then where you met people that became future coworkers? Is that what happened? Or was no, it in different places? It was in different places because I already had, I already knew like an amount of people in the security industry. Um, and this uh -huh. was really kind of like a bleed over from just like the engineering and like the web development yeah. stuff. And so I used to go to like meetups and things like that for like web development stuff, just kind of all the time and then stopped. Um, 
but but yeah, like it was just a huge bleed over of like my circles of friends and like just people I knew. And also just like the type of stuff I would follow on Twitter mm -hmm. was just like already very heavily security focused before I had joined security. So probably okay. that probably helped. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think security is just interesting, even if you're not, even if, you know, I mean, we all do security, but even for people that are outside of it, like I get asked by my family all the time, you know, besides like about Facebook scams and, you know, should I click on this? They, they always are curious, like what, like, what is this cybersecurity thing? What, you know, what does that mean? Like, is it true that hackers can do this? People find it fascinating, uh, even if the day to day is pretty boring. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, an interesting field for sure. On a lot of days, security is more interesting in theory than in practice. And then some days you have a day that is entirely too exciting for your own good. Yep. Yeah, you have to go sleep that day off. That's <laughs> that's true. So yeah, I think so that's why. The question is, oh, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead, Ken. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask Christina. So, you know, of like being an accountant or being a circus performer, what actually like translates to security? I, like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a stretch here. Oh, right? man. Maybe, <laughs> I, but I don't know. Hmm. But, you know, I, I mean, well, I can see accounting you know and business stuff. Christina did but, take yeah. me to the Oakland Circus Center and we did do an aerial like class. Oh, so, you did oh, so like team building, right? Team building? Yeah, yeah. it's like, team building. It is nuts to watch Christina do this. There's like a like a rope, and you use your toes like this to climb up. It's it doesn't look human. It's very monkey like. It's my favorite way to climb the rope. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, it sounds like a new village at DefCon. That's that's really so the rope what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, it's like oh, at like a like an escape artist room. Like you got to climb some ropes to like get out of the building. Yeah. Someone will sponsor it, and th yeah. there will be waivers to be yes. yep. <laughs> a very long waiver <laughs> that you have to sign. Um, I guess like yeah. from all the things and all the different like work things I've done is even with the circus stuff. I guess it's really like um, trust but verify <laughs> because like with accounting you have to have like all sorts of like paperwork and proof to like back up what you're doing and like what you're filing. And then as a circus performer, I mean, the apparatuses I was on, they would be, it would be like a piece of rope hooked up to the ceiling 50 feet up. Right. Yeah. So you have to look at your systems. Like you have to look at your tools. You have to verify that like whatever you're about to climb is not going to kill you. Um, or injure you or maim you in some incredibly horrible way. Uh, I feel it's like important. those consequences are incredibly dire compared to. <laughs> I was seeing the same thing. I'm like, man, that's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you learn how to inspect systems, and so like uh, like from the circus stuff, like I learned a little bit about rigging and physics and like. How much load should stuff have before it's considered dangerous? Like just stuff like that. Yeah. Safety. Yeah, safety. Yeah, yeah. Safety yeah. I mean, I can, I, yeah, I can see like doing, you know, kind of like a risk profile of, hey, what is it that I'm actually trying to do here, and do I trust what what I'm stepping into? Yeah. You've got Something. to have a lot more trust. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like sometimes like before, like you have to walk into the building and look up at the beams and be and say like, do I trust this building? <laughs> yeah, oh <my laughs> before gosh. you do anything. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Christine and I have gotten into some fun hijinks. I think our our willingness to do absurd things has improved the security culture of okay. both the companies we've worked at together. Absolutely. Yeah. We're big on the gimmicks. Big on the gimmicks. So what do you mean by that, Jess, right? Like you know, what, what um, so give us some examples of what you've done. I know I know we kind of yeah. talked about culture before, but like what what are the things that you're doing? I think one of the things we've, so we've actually done this at um, the two companies we've both worked at now, and we've done this a couple times at Meraki. We, Christina and I help put on a lock picking happy hour that we do. So we okay. get a bunch of pizza, we get some beer, of course, some wine. Um, and we teach a bunch of people, both engineers and non-engineers, like at our company to pick locks, like put a bunch of padlocks out, uh, got a whole bunch of lock sets, um, and then we'll just like walk around and meet people and teach a bunch of people how to actually pick locks. And it's actually one of my like favorite activities that we've done because you get to meet so many people from across like the company. Okay. Yeah. So there's also what? Oh, I was yeah. gonna say there's also that aspect of like, um, like for me, one of the, the, the actually one of the earliest things I can remember in terms of like security. Uh, was that feeling of um, there was a door that uh, was at the apartment complex and and it had, so they had this like gym slash office area and in the little gym area um, I, I could go in there and uh, at night and you could, it sounds so stupid, but with a butter knife, you could like open the door because the lock had a gap and just, oh, and then I would go in there. Yeah. And I would just go in there and get cookies just being a little fat kid who just like <laughs> wanted to, you know, steal some cookies. And that was like the first time I was like the magic of security. So I could totally see how like um, lock picking for someone who's a not like not in a security role day to day would be like, Oh my gosh, like this is possible. And then it makes you think about what else is possible. Maybe leads you down that path. I don't know, but I think it's a really awesome idea. Yeah. And we do like, a, there's a little presentation in the beginning where you're like, please only use this power for good by teaching you this. We're like, we want you to agree to not be an idiot. Um, like, you know, try to like harp a little bit on that educational aspect, but then it's really cool to just, everyone takes like the whole time and just like sits there and gets so into it. We even organize some competition type stuff too, which is fun. Yeah. And it's one of the coolest parts is just like seeing people like, when 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 they like open their lock that first time after like you know six minutes of frustration, just like the look on yeah. people's faces is amazing. And I think also so stoked. And so it's also stoked. it's also like a it's it's an amazing teaching tool because like we can talk about security and we can talk about like you know how all these things are important, but like if people aren't like listening none of that like really gets in. And the fact that like they're holding this lock, which is a symbol of security and safety and they manage to bypass it without the key. I think it, it clicks a little bit more in people's heads and in their hands, just how much more they should be thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. It also it's really it's more sense. than a, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, I'm saying it makes us really like approachable to the whole company. Like mm -hmm. after we do those lock picking stuff, like usually we'll notice an increase in the number of people reporting stuff. A lot of people just reach out and be like, this is so cool. I had a great time. Like you have to let me know when there's the next one. Like it just like the energy when you have like 80 people all in our lunchroom, like trying to pick locks together is really incredible. It's a very quiet room because everyone is, is. so focused in getting the locks open that you could just like, you can hear the like. Yeah, all, all you hear is like, like, and like nobody drinks too. We massively yeah. overbuy alcohol for all of these events because everyone's so busy and interested that they forget that there's free booze. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> They yeah. don't need that social lubricant to make <laughs> talking to other individuals easier. They they've got their thing. They're yeah. focused. Order, order less booze if you think, but more pizza. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're gonna need something to like anger eat as they're trying to figure out well, that three or four pin. Yeah, yeah. We had to also institute rules like you can't have food at the tables where you're yeah. picking locks because we don't want like the grease all over and everything, yeah. and we like make people sanitize their hands and stuff before they do it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm just imagining like you've you've probably got quite a lock pick set at this point, right? Like, oh, did you just clear, yeah. did you clear everything from like tool, or where did you? Yeah, get you want to tell them about how you organized our tackle box, Christina? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, like we got this tackle box to organize everything because at this point we have forty or fifty padlocks and hundreds of like rakes and wrenches and things like that, and it was just yeah. getting. It was just getting nuts. And so we basically, uh, we got a tackle box and just put everything in its right, correct little slot. And so it was, it, it was very satisfying to post it on for beautiful. like organization. Yeah. It looks beautiful. I, I, like, yeah. Like I think we need a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, actually yeah. it's on, it's on my Twitter account. I can okay, share yeah. after this. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Christina did a wonderful job with, with Thank um, you. Thank you. yeah, Chris Trainer. Um, he works at Meraki with us too. He's our security programs like outreach manager. He's the one who went and like bought a metal vintage like tackle box, I think on Etsy maybe. And like this thing is so heavy. Christina yeah. had to slap like a heavy metal sticker on it because this tackle box is so. It weighs like I, I would have to say it weighs like twenty five pounds or something like that. I mean, it's got it's full of metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, they pack in there pretty well, right? Yeah. All the lock picks and you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Ken Toller asked, he goes, do you have to pick the lock on the tackle box to open the session? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. There is no lock on the tackle box. Oh. But there should be. There like should the be, answer. yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Should drop one on there. So, okay, so you're introducing security via, you know, these lock picking sessions, um, engineers, other business people are there. Like, um, I mean, obviously that's like a great, like kind of team building, like this is an introduction to security. What do you do after that though? Like how is your, like your uptake from that to build that security culture? So we unfortunately have not been able to do one for a while. Why is that? I don't understand. Is there something Very else going on? <laughs> um, it's actually one of those events that we just want to keep doing them like as a fun thing. It's our hope just to continue doing events like that as a way for people who might not necessarily interact with our team to interact. Um, yeah. And a lot of the ongoing training. Um, so Chris Trainer, who I mentioned earlier, um, we have a number of different trainings that we do internally. Um, 
So Duo and Meraki were both owned by Cisco. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a lot of really cool training and work that Duo has done um, for security culture training stuff. And we like to refer to it sometimes as copying Duo's homework. Um, where we just go to them and we're like, hey, like we're really happy with this training. Like, can you come and do them for us? And like some of the training stuff, like Duo will train like people who work at Meraki um, to lead these trainings. So we do have sort of this suite of like ongoing different trainings around like threat modeling and Christina, what other ones? I'm forgetting some of the other names. Um, application security, uh, firmware. Oh yeah, we have. You did a few. Oh, you know, that hardware hacking workshop that, mm -hmm. uh, that Aaron ran. Yep. Um, yeah, so we actually like let people do some like simulated hardware hacking. Uh, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool programs like sort of internally. Oh, I did a fun work from home securely training where I, um, you know, like standard stuff, you know, use your VPN, be smart, don't let other people use your computer. But then I got to go into like really in depth on like phishing, specifically COVID related phishing. I'm super interested in social engineering, just like a personal area of interest. And doing that training was actually really fun because it was like in a remote way and as a way to try to impress upon people that you shouldn't be posting public pictures of your workspace um, and of just your home and your life. I actually went around my apartment and I staged fake Instagram posts, um, like pretending to be another person. And then as the exercise at the end of the phishing um, training, I gave them this fake post and I said, write down all the information you can infer about this person who doesn't exist. So no, no one's privacy is actually being violated in any way. And then I asked everyone who did the training to actually write their own spear phishing pretexts um, to try to target this person in a way of like giving that people, giving people that, that understanding of there's so much information in a picture and then giving them the opportunity to like build their own crafty pretext, like really drives the point home. I had, I've had a couple of people like reach out to me afterwards and be like, Hey, I put my social media to private. And I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> people also won prizes, right? For like the best pretext. Oh, okay. So I have to, yeah, I have to give a great shout out to Chris on this. Um, we, he gave away uh, a goat to meeting session. Have you heard of this? <laughs> you can, you like pay a Sweet Valley Farms goat to meeting. You basically pay someone who has a goat and farm and you get a goat that will join your next team meeting like via webcam. Oh, so I have good. heard of this actually. Yeah, so That's amazing. I just Googled yeah. it. We, we yeah, offer so great I, prizes for I things that we do on the team. Yeah, so the person who won their team got a goat to attend their next team meeting like via WebEx, which is fun. And then some of the other prizes that we gave out from people. Yeah, there we go. Goat to meeting. It's apparently, I've heard, really, really great for children. Like if you have children, they're really good with the kids on the call and they talk to you about the goat. So Or adults that behave like children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, also the adults that behave like children. Yes. It means okay. So all all of us are guilty of that. Then <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm I'm also going to say I love the fact that the first like URL that we posted on this episode was go to meeting. Like everything <laughs> else we've talked sorry. about, <laughs> but go to meeting got posted. <laughs> so. Sorry, all the awesome things. Even the pun in the name is so good. So, it makes it even yes. better. It's pretty wonderful. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. No, I really yeah. like that idea of like a staged 
how can you like what OSINT or like, yeah, I guess would that be OSINT? OSINT? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, how would you, uh, yeah, how, what, how would you view this through the lens of that? And how would you, what would you get from this? It's like, yeah, really and I'm still, I'm still like hoping that I can maybe turn it into a format that I can like sort of share and work with like outside of the company, but it was like really fun. And I put like a lot of effort in cause I like, like art and photography on the side. Christina can let, you know, it looks, looks pretty good. It was really, it. really good. I was, I was convinced that uh, you are secretly an influencer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> secretly. Yeah. yeah it, it's just like a fun exercise and people seemed really excited about it, which is, I wanted something that was still fun, even delivering a training remotely. So I actually set it up as like a, like a form. So you would get the picture and then submit like a response. What information do you see? Like, what would you fish, et cetera. So it made it like easy for people remotely to engage with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of the difficult thing right now is, is moving to the remote, the remote training aspects, right? I, like it, it I, Ken and I did one at, you know, AppSec, the virtual AppSec days and it works, but you have to rethink how you engage people, right? Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier when they're in a classroom. So, um, I mean, okay, so you're doing the training. Like, I, I was also wondering, just from a strict incident response, Jessica, since you, you're on the call and like we're going through COVID right now, um, and you know, not to dig into specifics too much, but like, are you seeing kind of a different threat profile from your side and the different attacks coming in because of remote working right now, or is it pretty much business as usual? So my role is, um, so I do detection and response for sort of like production and engineering um, type uh -huh. incidents. So I don't have a lot of visibility into the sort of enterprise okay. security space. Um, yeah. But I would assume from my research and the stuff that I know that is happening that we are seeing that increase. But the work that I'm doing day to day for incident response in our like production and engineering environments, um, the work hasn't actually changed too, too much. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like I've noticed a market increase, you know, just like checking like junk mail folders, you know, specifically, like this is completely scientific and everyone should take, yeah. But um, is just the amount of like PPP, right? Spam that I get now, right? It used to be like, oh, you can come get a loan with this. But now it's like all PPP focused. It is very much like, you know, um, situational, like the emails, the phishing emails that are going out. And those are just like the general spam emails, not necessarily the targeted spear phishing yeah. campaigns. And one of the things that I like shared when doing this training is that if there's just any at point where people are talking about something in the news or making memes about something, like bad guys out there are going to try to make phishing that looks like whatever's going on in the news. So COVID is sort of big and scary, but the same things that you do to identify phishing still hold true. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a little harder to look past like the panic of the COVID um, to like make that good decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in general, people have a tendency, again, to click on stuff that they shouldn't click on when they're, you know, stressed or there's like big, large words or red blinking lights, I guess, around it. So it's interesting. My my mother hit me up, right? Speaking of family and, and this, yeah. she hit me up and, you know, about a scam like this. And um, she was worried she had gotten hit with something uh, scam wise. And um, she said the weirdest thing to me. And it's, I guess it's like how some people think, but she goes like, well, this is not the time to be doing scams. Like what kind of person would do this during a, a time like this? And I'm like, like, I love my mom. Don't get me wrong. 
but it highlighted that there's a portion of the population that doesn't really understand like i want to say it's like i don't want to i don't know if na- naive is the right way to say it or maybe they just they're, oh I are, they're, thinking, they're thinking the best of other people and maybe they shouldn't necessarily do that I, yeah, and, and it's and it's interesting. It's really hard to sometimes even I I don't know. Like after you do security for so long, you start to think like that's like people know now. People know now, right? That that's that bad people exist, and they're going to do things, and they're going to take advantage of situations. But apparently, and I know that's one example, but that's not the only example I have. I have like a lot of anecdotal sort of evidence to show that people kind of there are people that just really don't seem to grasp that that's just how some human beings are wired and that's actually the best time to scam people. So it's like awareness is still a very much needed thing for, um, for, I guess, individuals or companies. Well, individuals make up companies. So (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that rant, but it's just, it's just a little weird to me that people still are kind of like, Oh, why would you do that now? Like, no, of course that's the perfect time to scam people. Like when fear and, Stuff that, like when fear, uncertainty, and doubt is high, that's a great time to exploit it. It's sad. It's horrible. Mor- Morality-wise, it's terrible. But opportunistically, it's a great time. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a rant. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that's that. Okay, Ken. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I was. So uh, I-, I did have a question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Seth. No, you're go for it. You got a question, go for it. No, just via like, because one thing uh, that you and I, Seth, have both had is small businesses who don't don't have a cert team and they're just starting to stand something up. And they're like, if something was to happen today, they would not be prepared. Like they have nothing in place. Imagine nothing. So if you're starting from a place like that, um, you know, like what are some basic recommendations that you all would give a company who is like, Hey, I need to, I don't have anything in place. Like, what should I be thinking about? How do I go about building sort of a, at least like the beginnings of, of, of a cert or some way to respond to things like, I know it's yeah. a weird question, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, yeah, I would say from just like a basic readiness perspective. If you come in and you don't know what's going on, basically your first step should just be going to all of your systems and making sure that they're all logging what you would expect. There's probably a lot of stuff in your infrastructure that isn't. And even if you're not logging centrally, just having every single device enabled and logging will help you recreate when bad things happen. So I think that's sort of the first step is like, making sure that you're logging and that you can get that visibility, even if something's bad, even if you're not doing anything with the logs yet, making sure that it's there and in a place you can go back and look at them and they're not going to get overwritten, et cetera. That's just a first good step to know what you have. And then from there, I think you need to sort of prioritize a lot, really depending on what you're, you're facing and sort of what gaps in logging you have and aim to fix those first. Cause you can't, you don't know what you don't know until you're logging everything that you do. That's like the biggest, the biggest, I think, first step is just making sure that you're keeping track of everything that's happening in your environment. Yeah. And I mean, that's always an interesting discussion, right? Like we, we get into, I, I like, I always go, I always frame things with the AAA, right? Like the, from security, you've got authentication, authorization and auditing. And I know like, you know, Christina, from an AppSec perspective, we spend a lot of time on authorization and and, and authentication, mm-hmm. but not so much on auditing, even though in Justice World, that's the most important thing, right? Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, so Christina, are you like, I mean, are you involved shipping things over that direction? Like, how do you get involved with Jess nowadays, right? Or you've just left her behind? Is that I'm that's what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah. Her completely. Um, <laughs> I mean, at this point, like, yeah, like we don't. Well, I, there, I feel like you're, we have, the, when you find stuff in our yeah. environment, and then you make a bad day for me. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I mean, that's what I do. I, was, I guess that's it's like, I make, I make a lot of noise. I make a lot of noise on my side. And then I say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did something bad. Here you go. Here's some love. <laughs> and Christina, you do have some involvement with, um, in terms of like logging stuff for the, the cases that come through. Mm -hmm. through well, the, true. The MSDL stuff. Yeah. Right? So basically like part of what I do is, um, <clears throat> Uh, we basically help our engineering department and teams build their project more securely. So like not only yeah. do I do pen testing for like their features and apps and, and all those other things. And like on that part, like we are protecting the users and like their data, like our actual paying customers. Then how I see it is we have another set of clients, which is the actual engineers that we do work with because they come to us for security advice. So we have a process in our um, software development lifecycle where engineers have to come and talk to us about their project to get an architectural uh, review or a threat model before they're like really allowed to like move on. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are helping them think of like just things that aren't part of like their expertise. And part of that is generally asking, do you have logs yeah. on your feature, on your app to be sent over so that like the detection and response folks can then use them? Yeah, and we, we have had a couple sort of stuff that's gone through the process that like Christina and people who have like been reviewing this stuff will like come to us be like, hey, this project, like did you hear there's this logging aspect like I think that's that's sort of the part where the the logging like kind of happens between our teams, but then we work with the service owners themselves to make mm -hmm. sure that they're doing sort of the logging on there. So. Yeah, and also like, are you getting like valuable information? Yeah, like are they giving the right information from the logs as well? Yeah, I would say like fifty percent of my job potentially, or fifty percent of project work is related to things to like updating, fixing, and configuring logging type work. It's like a big part of what detection and response is. Yeah, I, like I, I know from a, you know, just in a, like a, a typical outsider perspective, like even like AppSec versus CERT style, like, you know, I, we always think, hey, the only thing that you guys do is, you know, you may look at the logs, but it's always, you know, oh, we jump in and we respond to things. Um, and yeah, either that or you write, you write Splunk queries, right? That's the other thing. Yeah, I and know. that is part of it. Um, but part of the work that we're at, that like actually goes into it too is like, if you already have your centralized logging pipeline like stood up, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, you're just um, writing more queries to, like detect stuff, but like you have to build and maintain that logging pipeline. And it's not always easy to grab logs from all the weird, strange devices that you have in your environment. So like just the process of like building, maintaining and managing like a seam um, is actually like a lot of work. And that's maybe about 50% of my sort of job is around that type of work. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had another question. Yep. 
Yeah, sorry. What do you recommend for application logging that would feed into tr traditional existing IR programs effectively? Um, this is sort of a bit of a hard question because it really, <laughs> and I, I hate this answer, it depends. It depends yeah. on what you're doing now, essentially. Like, yeah, it's hard to say. I would say you basically want to pick ways to make logging easy for people who are building services and making sure that whatever your seam is, whatever your central logging is, when people stand up new services, you need to give them and clearly communicate to them exactly what they are expected to log. Like if your service does these things, you need to log these things in these ways. You need to like log success and failure. So I think probably the first step is like looking at what you have in your environment, um, making sure that whatever you're picking to do your application logging or whatever the ways you're configuring it is really clearly defined to your developers so that they can just look at ideally one place, one article and understand what they need to do to ship the logs to you. Um, but I don't know that I can go into more detail um, answering the we, question, unfortunately. We do have... Um... We do have some guidelines to offer, um, like in the way of a checklist auditing, which I can share, but it's, it's pretty much like, it's kind of like higher level kind of in the same way. Cause it is, it's hard to be like, there are certain things that are common to log, you know, authorization events, authentication, but then there's like, what does your app do? And I think that's like the harder part of. What you what you kind of said, which is like it depends. It's it's kind of very specific to you. It's it's yeah. a little hard to just give like a, a an exact what answer. Be, what can be really helpful is part of a production ready list checklist. So um, if wherever you're working, like there's some process you go through to get a service or a host or a whatever ready to take actual traffic. Um, so I believe that what's best is if you have a point in that sort of production ready list checklist where you go in order to hit production, you have to log these things and actually getting really crisp about what those things are for different types of services. So you can have this logging standard and part of your production ready list checklist should be that that service, that host, that whatever actually follows your logging standard before it can even take customer traffic at all. I think that's a really important step yeah. and to it, both making sure that people do it and then making sure that we're giving them that guidance. Yeah, because without, without, without guidance, on things like this, it, it makes it really, really hard for the engineers that are worried about like their deadlines for their features or whatever sales contract they're like obligated to fulfill or any other of the like higher company priorities um, that they are tasked with fulfilling. And so part of doing these things is to provide a very like frictionless way to work with the security team and also like just give them expectations of like, or just, tell them what we expect of them so that they can fold that in to their, um, the amount of work that they need to like put into a feature to have it considered production ready so that they're not yeah. surprised. Yeah. And I think logging is one of those things that ten, can tend to be a surprise to development teams sort of at the end. It's this yeah. like non-small amount of cleanup work that's like super necessary and super important, but it's not necessary and important to the step of building the applications, mm -hmm. but kind of gets left off till the end. So you need some catch to make sure that it doesn't actually get left off. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, I mean, you, you always run into the 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 difference between okay, security event logging versus just like the strict debug logs that an app spits out for support, and whether or not those go to different locations as well. I I know that's one that I always run into with the developers. They're like, "Well, we have logs," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, but it's just a whole bunch of stack traces, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't need that as a you know from in the sim, right? Like, I really don't. I need I need security events." Yep. A lot of storage yeah. taken up. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's kind of that purpose behind the scenes. And then also what I'm hearing from both of you is that the like knowing what assets you have, and we always go back to asset discovery. There's a lot of companies that just struggle and struggle with that, knowing, hey, we have these applications, we have these devices sitting on the network that we need to be concerned about, but half the time they don't even know what it is, right? Yeah, and so you've actually touched on something that's super important. There's the idea of having like an asset inventory. um, And then there's also the idea of having sort of a component inventory too. Mm -hmm. And the component inventory is super important to make sure that you're logging all of the stuff in your component inventory too, not just making sure that the actual hosts themselves are like logging too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you think about a single host that's running an application and like all the network devices associated with it. Right. It, it adds up very quickly. Um, and depending on which teams you've engaged and all that kind of stuff, it, yeah, it becomes complex, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And knowing, yeah. and knowing like everything that you have, like it's important for like an offensive and a defensive side, right? Because like the very first thing you do when you're doing like offensive pen testing stuff is like just discovery, right? Yeah. Like figuring out what you can even attack. So it's, it's really just like, it's both sides of the same coin, for like me and Jessica on that one. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Right. Well, I, I mean, to your point, Christina, like I, like I think about this all the time is the amount, of, the, the amount of effort that I put into what is basically just information gathering, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, you know, from a pen test perspective or an application assessment perspective, right? I may like run some attacks, but most of what I'm doing is just figuring out Okay, what the what the hell does this application do, and how does mm-hmm. it do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if I look at the amount of time in a you know like a forty hour like a hundred percent window, right? Probably fifty to seventy five percent of the time is spent just in that I'm gathering information. I'm gathering information because the better the the better that I understand an app or a system, the more I'm able to exploit right. it, the more I'm able to monitor, right? It feeds into everything, everything else. And, so yeah. And, and I, I'm still the reverse, this- the reverse is also true as well. It's easier for like us and our team to defend an app where we understand what it's doing, what its baseline yep. is and everything that's there. So it's like, we get a jump on the defense by like skipping past the 50% of work that you have to do to understand us. Like if we already understand it, like we're just better from a defense perspective. Yeah. And I'm going to steal a quote from Maddie Stone about this. And she said once, um, get enough information so that you basically know um, how the attack is going to work before you do the attack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, that's the only thing. It looks like Ken's got a visitor up there, but that's okay. Um, yeah, the amount of time. Uh, like, uh-huh. Sorry, my son's here. Hold on one sec. <laughs> hey, Max. Hello. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think he can Did hear us. We're going to have another yeah. guest on the show. <laughs> yeah. A cameo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's making a special appearance. A special COVID-related experience now that kids are home all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, now we're all distracted. There we go. That's that's how we roll week to week. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I, I, I like that Maddie Stone quote though, right? Like if it if it's successful, you've got to know exactly how it's going to play out before you try it, um, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I like I, I was discussing that with one of the the guy that I work with just recently, cause he's, you know, he's been working on an application. We've got code behind the scenes. It's like a code review uh, slash dynamic assessment style thing. And, you know, he's two weeks into it and he's like, man, I really haven't found anything. And then all of a sudden he pop, you know, he finds like all of these like insecure direct object references and like this, this authorization issues. I'm like, yeah, it's because you spent all that time up front, right? Mm-hmm. You got to know what it was that your application was actually doing. And, you know, your mood may have been really low because you feel like you should quit the industry after a week, but it doesn't mean that you should. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like, that's, that's part, I think that's part of the fun of it, right? Like you spend a lot of just not super exciting time gathering all this information. And then finally, when you find this one thing, your brain just drops all that adrenaline and dopamine and you're just like, ah! And that's why the lock picking is so awesome too, right? It's, it's, it's all in this little compressed like world where, okay, I understand how this works, but how do I actually, how do I implement it properly to get that mm-hmm. pop? And then the dopamine hit, and that's why people are so excited. You guys should really film people when they get that first like lock. Oh, pick. that's a good idea. I'm sure it would just be like this. It'd be this interesting, just like boom, like I don't we know, almost also, joy reaction, right? We did also teach people how to get out of handcuffs. So there's videos. Of- <laughs> <laughs> one uh, above senior manager getting out of handcuffs, but I'm not going to share that video. <laughs> I am obsessed with this, this like YouTuber called Larry Lawton, who was like a former prison drill thief. And he talks about that, like how to like, how in prison, they, the mistakes that they would make handcuffing people and how that would like allow them to escape. It's fascinating. The guy is just fascinating to watch for me. But anyways, like that's such a cool thing, like breaking out of handcuffs or like, yeah, breaking out of locks. It's so cool. We do yeah, tell people yeah. like that if you are, however, put into handcuffs by um, like the police, don't break out of them because that's a felony. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, well, well, if you're arrested. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, but you know, I, 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 I thought I'm you, I thought you were just going to say that you know, just reference Jessica, tell them that she taught oh. you how to do this, and yeah, exactly. that, that you break out. <laughs> I have a full slide in the presentation that says, I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I'm just a security hooligan. Like there's a whole slide I put up that says exactly that. I was like, do not quote me on any of this. By attending, what is it? By attending our event, you are agreeing to our code of yes. conduct. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, well that's stand up like, in court though. You're not a lawyer. So I don't know if that stands <laughs> up. But. Well, there are varying laws on lock picking like having the tools. So it's, that's probably a good disclaimer to have. Yeah. One of the things we talk about is um, be aware of local lock picking rules and regulations because it's different state by state. Although for the most part um, in a lot of states, it's becoming decriminalized to own lock picks. Yes. Yep. It's not, and I mean, tool has a big list of that. It's not outright illegal anymore, anywhere um, in the United States. I just try not to fly with them internationally because you don't know. Oh gosh, yeah, I can imagine. 
Although you can fly, the TSA has said repeatedly that you are allowed to fly with lockpicks, but you can't expect to fight with a TSA agent if they happen to see them and they'll, they might try to take them from you. Mm -hmm. Tool has actually a whole bunch of screenshots of Twitter responses from the, N from the, um, the TSA saying you are allowed to bring lockpicks. So Tool recommends printing out the Twitter sheets to bring with you <laughs> because <laughs> because nothing you, you couldn't fake it you know tweets yeah. but no I, I mean if, as long as it works you know, that. but the tsa agents probably don't know that you could like never mind yeah 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 yeah, yeah it, it gets it gets interesting right anybody that's interested in lock picking though the tool with three three o's that's where you should go to uh, to get all that info that's a good good resource I'll um, put the link in there here in a second. Are, are we going to get a non-goat farm link to put up? Ooh. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to try an actual security link this time. I, I just imagine Christina walking through, like, with her big old, you know, case of lockpicks, like, into the TSA. You know, they they probably let yeah, that me. Would work. They yeah. probably let me because they're, well, maybe not the handcuffs. But, like, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure they the would let the handcuffs through, yeah. I mean, once I got through TSA with, like, 10 pounds of rocks in my bag, and they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> What? I bought I bought like a bunch of rocks from a rock shop and they were like these giant oh. like bookcases. They were 10 pounds and I was just like bringing them through carry-on and they were just like, what is this? I'm like literally rocks. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, rocks. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, they were like, okay, go. That's Christina, hilarious. I love how you just like drop those in. Yeah, just one time. I was just going through TSA with the, with 10 pounds of rocks. It was, it was all good. Christina has so many of these stories. Didn't you buy a, where did you buy a, a title of nobility from when you were on Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, technically I am Lady Christina Liu of Sealand, oh. the Principality of Sealand. Um, anyone can buy one of these. So you can even buy um, a duke. Countess, you, buy a baron? you can buy, you a, buy baron. a baron. Yeah, you can buy Countess, Baron, Duke, and Duchess, so and a knight. You are speaking with Lady Christina. Yes, I am. La I'm Lady Christina. Lady Christina. We have yeah, to. I, by the way, that must go, Seth, into the the episode in description. description. Yes, yeah. it will. It will. It will. Yes. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, we're we're really all about the gimmicks. <laughs> hey. So like, hey that we can do to make work a little more fun, Christy and I will do it. We Amen to that. Nobility next time to a winner. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Like you could win a title of nobility. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Christy and I, oh, Christy and I even that's got a genius to, idea. Uh, we got to burn a yeah. bunch of stuff. We got to burn some stuff as part of our real job, which mm -hmm. is exciting. What? So we. Yeah, we got to when we worked at um, the financial tech company Marketa, we had to manage hardware security modules, which are a beast to manage. Those things are insane. Yeah. And so you, when you establish a relationship with another like credit card issuer, processor, financial institution, you have to have these insane hardware security module boxes that have like a dual access thing. There's key cards and pins and you have to have two people do it. But when you exchange key material, you actually have to exchange plain text keys separated on three different pieces of printer paper printed out, mailed in the mail on three different days using a minimum of two different mail carriers. <laughs> to three to different people. Yeah, at another company. So once you do this exchange and you've inputted your key and you have it, you have raw key material that's super sensitive. 
And we realize in the description of what you are legally obligated to do with the key material when you're done is burn, burn. pulp, or crosswise shred. So, so obviously, so obviously, you pick the most fun one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we had to do it. So the funny part was, so we while we were burning the key material, we had to have a compliance person stand there to watch us burn the have material. <laughs> attested witness to the burning so we grabbed this compliance guy and made him like come outside with us on the streets of oakland we found a little corner burn some paper what did we we even had to what was the thing you constructed for us to burn it oh in it was from like a one of those um it was an aluminum foil catering pan because i didn't think it was wise to just burn the material like on the street so technically we weren't burning it on the street <laughs> I, I I just have this picture of yeah. you like ar around a bit like like one of the big like cans burning materials with the like the homeless guys over on this. Okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. Not far from that. Not yeah, far. I mean, and it is it's downtown Oakland, right? You know, so I yeah. Of course, the whole time our compliance guy's like laughing at us. He's just like standing there on the street, like trying to keep a straight face, watching us like on our knees, like <laughs> trying to like when the wind is going. Yeah, so Christine and I, we always try to make like working together fun. Together fun. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like a good time, right? The next time you have to burn key material, please let us know. I mean, I, like I was going to ask if you had to actually document it, but having the compliance guy there, that, that makes more yeah. sense, right? Like it, it was like written out, documented, signed, burned, <laughs> all that. Hi highlight of my career. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds I feel like, like I got it. I feel like I gotta talk to my coworkers about livening it up, yeah. being more fun. Cause we're way behind in comparison. <laughs> way behind. Well, that one time you posted a meme in Slack, it's all good. Can you just write yeah. it in as like part of the procedure for a like key material destruction and like asset destruction? Fun. Yeah, you yeah. gotta do something fun while destroying the assets. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> the hard drives, you know, you you can shred them or you can take them to the gun range and just shoot them up, you know, stuff like that, right? <laughs> That'd be fun. See, there you go. I did, I did know some people who did the um, you know, the office space scene like beating on the printer. Um had some network engineers I knew who had like a faulty switch that had caused like two side incidents, so they just like took it in the parking lot and went to town on it. Yeah. And we got well, we yeah, I got a yeah, complaint from the building next door because they actually oh, they, they played. They played the song too, really loud, and, and they got in trouble. It feels like a, a great, great use of a rage room, right? Those <laughs> whatever that are going on. So, what's a rage wow. room? Have you not seen those? No. Basically, you, 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 you can pay to go into a room and just destroy things, right? Um, what? Yeah. I feel like there's one in Las Vegas somewhere. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Wear eye protection. I think yeah. I get tired really and, quickly uh, though. Post -toed shoes. Yeah, they'll give you sledgehammers and basically they just old you know, whatever, right? TVs, computers, and you go in and destroy it, and then they clean it up and take care of it, right? They provide a safe space to do it. There's, That'd be like a there's fun. gotta be. What's that? It'd be a fun team activity. Fun. Yeah, I think so too. And dangerous. No, I think there's a missed opportunity between a, a demolition crew and raging. You put them together, you know, two businesses at once. You got a demolition crew and they get their rage out. 
Oh, so people yeah. pay you to demolish mm. stuff that you're exactly. being paid already. Yeah. Yes. Really? Good margin. <laughs> yes. Take down your renovation costs. Yep. Give you're doing do it's a good cause. Yep. Well, uh, Christina, Jessica, I like we've been going for over an hour at this point. It feels like we could just go on and on, but we do want to be respectful of everyone's time. I'm starved for human attention. This is wonderful. (laughs) We all are more than two people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. An interesting conversation, but um, yeah, is is there anything like I know, uh, Christina? I'm 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 excited to hear what you're going to promote after just like the nuggets that you dropped. So, like, is there anything that you would like to bring up uh, before we, you know, end the episode this week? Sure. Um, the thing I'm promoting is has nothing to do with security. Um, basically, I'm a I'm a fellow of a group called Odd Salon. So basically, we do public speaking uh, events. We used to once a month um, in both San Francisco and California. And basically we're storytellers that tell stories from the odd corners of history, science, art, and adventure. But basically we're just weird history nerds that are addicted to the adrenaline rush that comes from public speaking. Um, Did so you say basi- odds a lot? Odd, odd. odd salon. Oh, odd salon, it. I'm odd sorry. Salon, yeah. So basically we are having a virtual event on May 26th, uh, Tuesday. It's, tit- it's called Odd Salon Online, Resilient, and they're basically stories of triumph, perseverance, hope, support, and love from times of plague and pandemic. So this is a free event, but donations are accepted because we are a nonprofit. And also we have a YouTube channel with hundreds of videos. So, you know, if you're bored, you can go on Wait, and- What are some of the topics you've spoke on in the past? Um, abandoned temples, the uh, West Point, Eggnog riots of 1826. <laughs> <laughs> the egg riot. Sorry, eggnog riot. Right? Yeah, eggnog riot <laughs> at this point in 1826. And then um, horse diving is when you convince a horse to jump off of like a 40 foot platform with a rider on the back. So. <laughs> What? Awesome. <laughs> like I said, that paid off way more than I expected it to, Christina. That was awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like Otslon, that sounds that sounds great. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. We'll, we'll have to watch out for it because that sounds yeah that, that sounds super interesting. Not <laughs> as security related, but just yeah, great general knowledge. So, yeah, it's a lot of just weird, a lot of weird history. Cool. Ken Toller had asked if anyone, had, I, I looked it up. I didn't see any of the, uh, for Ken Toller's question, which was, has anyone done the Boston molasses disaster? Yes. I looked it up. I, yes. I didn't, that, I didn't find it. So yeah. So many people died in the Boston molasses yeah. disaster. It is unreal. Christina, what's like the number? I don't know the number. I didn't do that talk. So I don't know the whole number, oh. but it was, I mean, they were smelling, molasses like for six months or nine months after like the People flood happened. trapped in flooded molasses someone built like a really subpar storage tank for molasses and basically a city ended up under water people like suffocated it was awful this is a really bright <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. This is crazy. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article about it too, and then there's a reference to the Honolulu molasses spill of 2013. 
So apparently, 2013. Not that's not that 2013. long ago. 2013 Honolulu yeah. man, molasses. Boston. 21 people died. Dang. Yeah. God. So many from molasses. 40 foot wave mm. of molasses. And this is why I'm going to end up at 2 a.m. wondering how I can't get off that YouTube channel. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my God. But then you'll end up with a lot of like really weird facts and just. Yeah. Great, great for 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 parties or when you're t wandering around talking to people that are lock picking, right? Yeah. You know what though? It really is like these. Um, like for instance, the the Power Ranger helmets behind me. The, the, just that alone, when I get on meetings with new devs, if you have some topic that you can like mutually, oh, you're in, you know, like if you just have something like that, like the more the more you can sort of like put out there, you can just instantly kind of connect with someone and talk about some weird stuff, you know. And like the weirder the topic is, I feel like the more quickly you connect with like another person because you're it's both true. like, what? 21 yeah. people died in molasses in Boston? Huh? Let's talk about it more. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. just like we're doing here because now we're going down <laughs> rabbit holes, right? I know. Oh, so. This is really interesting. So, yeah, Odd Salon's going to take up the rest of my day. Thanks. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. No you're welcome. <laughs> But Jess, what about you? Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? I mean, we've covered the Boston molasses disaster, um, an odd salon. Um, yeah. Um, I don't have anything super specific to plug, although, yeah, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah. I would be plugging that I was applying for the DEF CON social engineering capture the flag again. I did it last yeah. year, but... Uh -huh. But yeah, tears. Sadly. A bit. Maybe there'll be an online event this year. You can you can utilize your your Instagram I, pictures. I don't know, the, to, the most yeah. fun part though is like being in the booth and everyone's yeah, watching you. You could do it from your closet if they do an online yeah. one. You can <laughs> yeah, blow hot air into your closet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll just like set my camera up with just an open webcam so I get the feel of a bunch of strangers watching. Strangers. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Well, we appreciate both of you coming on. This has been a very entertaining hour and 15 minutes now at this point. Um, uh, where can people find you? I, I know we'll post your Twitter accounts. Oh, yeah. Is there I'll anywhere that. else that people could reach out if they had questions for you? Uh, the Twitter or my LinkedIn are fine. Okay. Yeah. Mostly my Twitter. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Great. Good. Well, um, I think we'll just call it for today i mean ken did you have anything else that you wanted to to bring up oh, any wild tangents you want to start for us here yeah, yeah i know yeah. right <laughs> I, I swear i was trying to just be like normal and not <laughs> randy i was trying so hard uh no i'm posting both your twitter um your uh twitter accounts right now so that everybody has access to that and they can reach out to you. Um, yeah, I don't think, Seth, the only thing I think we should mention, or wait, are we still, are we still for Black Hat? Are we still doing virtual? I forget. Yes, it's, it's virtual training right now. Um, and then it just depends on how many, how many people sign up and right. Like just like a normal class would. Um, but the, we do, we are doing the secure code review course for Black Hat. It will be more, um, offensive focused as opposed to the defensive side what th that we normally do but we will cover the same you know same sort of material on how someone who on the offensive side was looking at code what they could look for um, to exploit an application right so but that'll be virtual because everything's in person is canceled and you know we're all stuck at home so <laughs> yeah 
Cool. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining today. Um, catch us thanks all online. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah, appreciate it, Christina and Jessica. And we'll see everybody online. Bye. Bye. Bye.